Yo! Welcome back to the 1497 Podcast, baby. You know the vibes. It's your boy, Jonathan Keaton, in the cut. Right beside me is the greatest co-host to ever put his two legs on planet Earth. That's the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Wood, a.k.a. Mr. Wood, a.k.a. the Woodster, a.k.a. the Woodmeister, a.k.a. Mr. Woody, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Michael Wood! What's up, John? How are we doing? Doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing good. Just got back from spring break. Not quite ready to do school, but, you know, ha- had to do it. So it's a I little overwhelming, but I'm doing good. I feel you. Like, coming back from, like, spring break, like, the day is, like, when school starts and stuff, it's so hard because you're like, damn. Like, you slept in, you was enjoying yourself, and then when you get that load of homework, you're like, I don't want to do this at all. Yeah, I know. They're already starting to hand out tests and stuff this, this week, and uh, it's it's going to be a long week, and then I go on a little army uh, uh, army field exercise on Thursday, t- Thursday till Sunday, so that's going to be super, super not fun, but yeah, I, it's, it's going to be a tough first week back from spring break, but I'm, I'm ready to take a little bit of the a little bit of heat off the week by by talking to you for a little bit here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Thursdays being your more hectic days with ROTC and all that, all that other jazz. But man, did you were, did you get a chance to watch any of the college games yesterday? Yeah, I, I watched a a lot of them for the most part. I watched as many as I could. Um, that was a lot of good basketball. Um, a lot of good basketball. And listen. Um, St. Peter's, we didn't say it, but you predicted a two-seed upset and a 15-seed, and they did it, um, just not the one that you predicted. But uh, they're making some noise. I think that's probably the biggest biggest story to be made. Um, I mean, Michigan's a big one, too. They're 17 and 14 on the season. A lot of people thought they shouldn't be in the tournament, and here they are in the Sweet 16, and they honestly could be in the Elite Eight. Um, I mean, obviously, every team in the Sweet 16 could be in the Elite Eight, but Michigan's a team where you look at them, you're like, they're pretty hot right now, although they were they were cold in the regular season. These last two games, they're they're playing just as good as anyone in the country. So, um, although there's not a ton of Cinderella stories um, per se this year, I, I think that one of the ones that's not necessarily Cinderella, but it's something that we gotta keep an eye on as an underdog story is Michigan because I believe they're the only uh, Big Ten team still fighting. I I could be wrong on that, but I believe they're the only Big Ten team still playing and there was a lot of teams in the big 10 uh that made the tournament so congrats to michigan congrats to, to st peter's but you mentioned the games yesterday i think the best one i hope you agree was tcu and arizona um that unbelievable game arizona should have lost um but heroic plays were made and they ended up winning that game so it shows why they're the one seed and why, why tcu was a nine seed because they couldn't close out the game and arizona just never gave up so Congrats to Arizona, but I think that was the best game yesterday. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That TCU-Arizona game was absolutely wild. And I think Miles – Miles uh, forgot his last name. I think – I want to say McBride, but I don't think that's his last name. But Miles had the ball at, like, the last – like, the last couple seconds going into OT. And I thought he got fouled because he got bumped at the end and then down Terry got the steal – and then got the game-winning bucket that was overturned and went into overtime. 
but TCU was giving it all that they could. And that's why I had them as one of my sleepers going into the tournament, because when they played those top tier teams, they gave it their all. And Arizona being how good they were and only beating TCU by five, I think one that shows how good Arizona is. And two, I think it shows the field that this Arizona team can be beat, but you have to play the full two halves of basketball to beat this team. Another good game that I liked was Michigan State Duke. I don't want to be like that guy, but I think Michigan State, despite the refs, because I think the referees were bad in that game, Michigan State would have ran. Michigan State wouldn't have ran away with the game, but they would have won the game. There's so many missed calls that it started to convince me that they wanted, like the people wanted Duke to win. And then with St. Peter's and Tennessee, because I went to the game in Indianapolis, and you could tell from the ratio of Michigan fans and Tennessee fans, it was absolutely insane on how much Tennessee was rocking the stadium with the voice or with the voice that they're feeding their crowd. And then with St. Peter's and Murray state, it was the same thing with a lot of Murray state fans. And then St. Peter's was had like their own little fan section. And that was the only rowdy part for um, St. Peter's. And I also didn't know I was on Instagram the other day and apparently St. Peter's, it's just the strip. It's literally just a block of their college, and that's it. Yeah, I, I saw that too, but I saw it on TikTok, and I was like, God. And that's what makes March Madness so fun is a school like Kentucky that's a blue blood. They're one of the best college basketball teams of all time um, when you look at historically. And th- this team that they had this year was obviously no slouch. They were a two seed. Um, a lot of people picked them to even win the tournament. I believe ESPN said 6% of, of brackets were picked for them, and that's a lot considering um, there's 68 teams, I guess. Um, so yeah, Kentucky this year is no slouch and historically um, they're, they're not too bad, but St. Peter's, how many times have we really heard them? I, that was, this is my first time ever hearing a St. Peter's um, and they pull off two really, really big upsets. Obviously the, the biggest upset coming in, in the form of beating uh, Kentucky and not only like, not only did they beat them, um, but Kentucky had chances to win, and they had chances in overtime where to, to put away the St. Peter's team, and they couldn't do it. Um, and that's typically, like with Arizona and TCU, typically the better team, if it goes to overtime, typically the better team will win um, just because they get a chance to gather themselves and, and decide how they're going to attack. And St. Peter's was able to uh, outduel Kentucky, which I think shocked everybody. And then they were also able to beat Murray State, which was on, a, I think, 21-game win streak. So as small as that school is, uh, one thing about that team isn't small, and that's that's the fight that they got. So um, St. Peter's is going to be a tough out for sure, but they're playing a uh, – who are they playing? They're playing um, Purdue. And, you know, Jay and Ivy, he's going to be tough to guard. But St. Peter's, small school, they're going to they're gonna be a really tough out. Um, Purdue's going to have a tough time with them. And I was wrong, obviously, as I was saying before about Michigan being the – being the only Big Ten team left because Purdue's still in it, but it, I'm gonna, I'm really interested to see how, how far St. Peter's can take this, and I'm sure everyone is uh, riding the wave as this week on Friday they're going in as 13 point underdogs. So, so like you said, it's just a strip. The, the school's really tiny. 
Um, not a lot of people go to the school, but the, the people that do go, there's some hoopers over there um, at St. Peter's. And truthfully, I still don't know what state or city that school's in. So congrats to them. <laughs> I was just about to touch on that. Literally, if this March Madness never had, like, didn't happen in like some weird realm, I would have no idea what St. Peter's is, where St. Peter's is, and that they had a basketball team. Like, this is the first time of me being acknowledged that St. Peter's is good at basketball. St. Peter's is a college. St. Peter's is somewhere in the 50, uh, somewhere in the 50 states where it's, it's just located somewhere. But other than that, I think I'm going to make this bold take now. And you know how much we love underdogs and we love that story. I think St. Peter's is going on to the Elite Eight. It's going to be tough to beat that Purdue squad, especially what Jaden Ivey was doing in clutch time versus Texas. And then you got Zach Eady. That's going to be a problem for them in the paint. Then Trayvon Williams is also going to be another problem. And Purdue wasn't really shooting. I don't think they they were really shooting well from the three against Texas. But that's going to be a tough team to stop by. I think St. Peter's will be able to pull off another upset win against Purdue. And then if you're better, I would go St. Peter's spread. I mean, St. Peter's has played good in both of the matchups that they played. And obviously, they, they won the matchup. But Purdue had a slow start to their game against Texas, which really surprised me because I don't really, I wasn't a big believer in Texas. And every time Texas counted themselves out, they always found a way back in. So St. Peter's will win and move on to the elite eight, baby. Um, here's, here's the only thing I have is typically when we're talking about a team like St. Peter's, um, everyone likes them. Um, like you said, we both like the underdog story. But the thing in March Madness is, is typically when you're going up against um, – and you can easily debunk what I'm about to say because of what happened versus Kentucky. But when you're going up against a guy like Jaden Ivey, a guy who's probably a consensus, I would say top five, top 10 NBA player or NBA pick in the NBA draft. Typically when you're playing against a team like St. Peter's, those guys are going to show up um, because maybe not in the first round, like what happened with Kentucky. But when you, when you see them in the third in the sweet 16, you're like, okay, this is a team. They, they think they belong here. Let me prove them, prove to them that they don't belong here. And we saw in some of the biggest games this weekend, the best players stepped up. Um, you mentioned the Duke and Michigan State game. We saw uh, Paolo. Uh, I think he had like 20 or something. And then obviously in the Arizona game, uh, Ben Matherin, Benedict Matherin, whatever, had 30. So I, I think Jaden Ivey going to have a really big game. I just – I think he's going to be the difference maker. There's a lot of fight, though, that that St. Mary's team – or St. Peter's team has, pardon me um, – they play so aggressive on defense. They go for every ball, every loose ball. Um, they're definitely going to be a tough out, but I don't think that they're going to be able to stop um, Jaden Ivey. Like you said, they had a slow start. They're not going to want to replicate that. And I think that's going to be the difference with Purdue. Um, they saw that they were they were close to elimination. I know they won by 10, but that they they kind of felt how, how close they were. And Jaden Ivey only took seven shots in in their win against Texas. So I think he's going to be a little bit, bit more shot happy. He's going to see more things fall. So I think Purdue's going to win, but I agree with you. I would take the spread. Um, the one thing I want to touch on though, is the Arizona TCU game. I thought TCU was flopping. Personally, I, I, I thought a lot of their, especially that, that last 
uh, last play of the game there, I I thought Miles flopped. Um, and that, that could just be me, but let me let me check real quick. He he was at the free throw line a lot. Yeah, he had nine he shot nine free throws, which is um third most in the game behind Matherin and then um Lampkin. So I, personally I, I, it looked like they were flopping a little bit near the end of the game, TCU was. And I think they kind of stopped playing their game once they started to do that. And I think that's not what cost them the game, but that's what allowed Arizona to, to keep it close and then eventually uh, steal it from them. So not that it matters. I mean, the, the rest at the end of the day and the flops, no calls or calls very rarely make a game. Um, I thought TCU and Arizona both deserved to win that game. Um, it's a shame that TCU had to play Arizona because I think Arizona, by the way, is a team I have winning it all. Um, that's the only reason I'm saying this. I think if TCU had to play any other team, they would have won that game. Yeah, they, they TCU would be in the Sweet 16 right now if they had to, even if they had to play Gonzaga. I think they would have beat Gonzaga, um, especially seeing how the way Chet Holmgren played um, in their in their most recent game. So, I, I, looking at it, I, I feel bad for TCU, but at the same time, Arizona proved why they're a one seed. So, congrats to TCU, and it's unfortunate that, that they had to go out that way. Yeah, and. You talked about how TCU would have beat any other team if they were in that position. And I wanted to touch on the point where you said earlier with superstars coming out to play when it's that time. And you see guys like Max Christie who aren't really there yet. So once they get more experience, once they get more neutralized with that experience, and getting in games like that all the time, then that's where March Madness comes around again. I think Max Christie is going to be that guy for Michigan State. Or when you look at the the other the two freshmen that played for Illinois, uh, one one of the I, I forgot both of their names, but the one guy that got a technical for dunking and like he swung around, he's going to be a dog one day. And then Williams too. He's going to be a dog one day. And since I'm talking about Illinois, it's just a tough way to go out again in the same spot that you were at last season. They just couldn't make any shots whatsoever. And when they started to make shots, they couldn't get stops on defense. It reminded me of Houston versus UAB, where UAB was able to score. But then when it came to defense, they're not able to stop Houston on defense. I think Houston, to me, defensively, one of the best one of the best defensive teams in the field. Offensively, I think they're a one trick pony. They're really good in the transition game, and they have really good two point field goal. But outside of that, that's that's what Houston is floating with. If you make them shoot threes, Houston is not going to make those threes. They have one of the worst three point percentages in college basketball. I'm pretty sure. And then going off of the Arizona TCU game, overtime hit, and Arizona's like, this is our game. We are going to get this game. And you saw that straight off of the jump ball. Arizona was telling themselves, we are not losing this game. And it kind of just sucked the soul out of TCU a little bit. They're like, damn, like this Arizona team, no wonder like they are number one because they are showing it every single possession and then when you're a team like the nine seed playing a one seed and it's just going south and more south 
throughout that overtime period, you kind of just lose hope. And you saw you saw the facial expression on the sideline when it got close to the end. It's like, man, like there's no way we're winning this game. Yeah, and something about Houston, Illinois, and I think you made a really good point. This Houston team, I just looked at it. They're 134th in, in college basketball in, in the regular season in three-point percentage. So that's a little bit above average. But when we're talking, there's 358 college basketball teams that, that they rank here. The, the, the bottom teams will never sniff it. The, like these teams are teams that will never sniff the tournament. The only really relevant team that's in the in the bottom half here is I mean, we could talk about Oakland. That they're in the bottom half, and then uh, you you got um, Oklahoma State, but just teams that we kind of knew weren't going to make the tournament. So they're in the technically they're a bar- barely above average three point shooting team, but they're not very good, like you said. And the, the big difference in this game was neither team was really hitting shots. I guess um, Houston was shooting a little bit better than than Illinois, but nothing major. But they had only nine turnovers to Illinois, 17. Um, and I don't have the stats, but I'm pretty sure that they got way more points off turnovers uh, than Illinois did. And I think that was the difference like you brought up. So that's kind of what, what March is about. This Houston team um, on a bunch of advanced stat rankings, they were ranked one of the be- as one of the best teams in the country. But then when you look at they're 31 and five, which you're like, how are they only a five seed? Uh, it's because they're a competition who they're playing. But then they also can't shoot. The tournament, the committee loves teams that can really shoot the ball. Um, and like you said, Houston, is as good as they are, they're really good at getting points off turnovers, points in transition. I don't know if they're going to be, be able to beat Arizona because that Arizona team has, has the athletes to keep up with them. They don't have the bigger, slower guys. Not saying Illinois is a bunch of just giants who can't move, but they're, they're a little bit slower than Arizona is. So Houston's in for a tough test because Arizona's not a team that's just going to hand the ball off to them. Um, and give them free reign and let them um, let them just t- take it down the court. They did have 16 turnovers against TCU, but TCU also had 14. Um, so it, it wasn't a huge discrepancy there. Also, Arizona only shot 18% from three compared to TCU or compared to Houston, who I think shot like 27. So Arizona didn't play their best game by any means, and they still were able to find a way to win. Um, Houston played pretty pretty much what we would expect them to play. They shot the ball like we expected. Uh, they made Illinois, they forced turnovers, they played suffocating defense. So Houston won by, what did they win by, 16-15, and they played exact, almost exactly how we expected, whereas Arizona came up short and they still won. So I think Houston's in for a tough test. I completely agree with that statement that you just made because, like, letting that marinate on, they had the almost the exact same box score, it's going to be it's going to be really tough for Houston. I think it's going to be a great game. And then on top of that, I was I don't know if you were shocked by this, but it completely shocked me. Miami handling business against Auburn. I really thought because I kept on telling myself Miami will get a lead and they will find a way to lose the lead, and Auburn will come back and win this game. I kept on telling myself that, and then once it got closer and closer and closer, I'm like, wow, there's just no way Miami's going to do this. And Miami pulled it off. I mean, going into the Sweet 16, beating Auburn was a two-seed, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah, so going in and beating a two-seed 
that a lot of people had going to the final four, if not winning it all as a team, the momentum boost that you get from that game is insane. It's absolutely insane. And on top of that, it gives you a boost mentally for every single player, for every single staff member, because you're telling yourself, if we just beat a team that everyone thought was going to go to the final four in New Orleans and we just knock them off, we can beat any team that comes our way. And in Iowa State's case, I think that's going to be a great game because I think both teams are evenly matched. And Iowa State's been knocking off some giants on their way too. So it's going to be a great it's going to be a great sweet 68. Yeah, and, and I talked about guys stepping up. Jabari Smith, he, he played when you just look at the stats, I think it was let me see, it was 10, 10, 4, 15. You're like, okay, that, that's not terrible. That's that's pretty good. Especially college guys don't really score at that high of volume. But he shot the ball 16 times, only saw it go through the net three of those 16. So Jabari Smith did not play um, as good as we would expect a guy like him to play who's supposed to be a top one, top, top three NBA play, like pick in the draft. Um, but granted, he didn't play that good, but neither did the rest of his team. They shot 30% from the field, 30%. Um, and you don't need to be a math, mathematician to know that that is terrible. Um, in terms of basketball, you, you kind of want to aim more towards 50%. I mean, I guess you're going for 100, but no one's really going to hit 100. Whereas Miami, they had Isaiah Wong, um, funny, funny guy, funny name, um, Isaiah Wong, but he dominated. He, he had 21 points, six rebounds. And then I think the unsung hero for them was senior Charlie Moore. Um, he, in my opinion, he, he was incredible. This guy, he started his college career at Cal. Then he went to KU. Um, and I remember him playing at Kansas and I was like, this guy's like, he's okay. He's, he's not very, like, he, he doesn't really do much. He, he barely even scored, I think at Kansas, um, but then he went to DePaul, kind of found himself, and now he's back, not back, but he's at Miami, um, back at a major school, and he's making a difference. Uh, he, he He's a guard. Um, he had 15, 8, and 9. Uh, you got to remember, he had nine rebounds standing at 5'11". So this Miami team is a team that just plays with I, – I don't really know what to call it. I don't want to say grit, but I, I guess it's a team that plays with a lot of grit. They – they play with a lot of want. Um, and now, like you said, we got an 11 seed and a 10 seed in the Sweet 16. So that means we're, we're guaranteeing um, that a team that's not a single digit will be in the Sweet 16, um, which we saw uh, UCLA do it last year. They went to the Final Four even. Um, but it's, it's kind of cool to see these two, I guess, put in quotes, underdogs going at it. Um, and not to take away from anything uh, Miami or Iowa State did. But when they won those games, the teams they were playing weren't necessarily playing their best basketball. And that's a credit to them, um, a, a credit to them play, playing their best basketball. Um, and especially Iowa State, I think they're a suffocating defense. Um, that's going to really give Miami some problems. Um, if I had to make a pick on this game, I'd probably pick Iowa State. With all the doubts that I had with this Miami team, I still want to say I doubt them winning – games but i don't know like charlie like like what you just said charlie moore played excellent basketball against auburn and then other players followed his excellent play by putting up their own expertise to to the uh to the court and i really i really like iowa state especially brockington brockington is a great guard that gets you boards that can score and Iowa State's got some scores, 
But I think I'm going to turn the tide a little bit. And I'm going to go Miami in this game to win and move on to the Elite Eight. They're both in the – Iowa State and uh, Miami are both in the same boat where they just knocked off some really good teams. So, I think that's going to be a great game to watch. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that I'll, I'll give to you. If this is a close game, I think it's going Miami's way. Uh, they recently played, um, obviously, in the ACC tournament – um, but their last one, two, three, four, five games, um, they won by three. They won by two. They lost by four. They won by two. And then obviously they just won by 18. So they're they're used to playing in these close games and, and trying to have um, go punch for punch with, with, with these other teams. Whereas Iowa State, um, it was five. It was five. Then they lost by 31. Um, then by seven. Then they lost by 17. So if, if it's a, like, if this game gets close, I think Miami's going to kind of pull away with it just because Iowa state's not necessarily used to playing in these close games. These last two games against LSU and Wisconsin, they were five point games, five point games, pardon me, but you can make the case. Well, they, these were close games. If you really watch the games, the, the games with Miami were, were definitely like, I guess Auburn wasn't really close, but the game with USC was way closer than, um, than Iowa state's game with either, um, with either LSU or um, what's God with, with either LSU or uh, who they just play? Who Iowa Wisconsin. State? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So close game. I'll give the nod to Miami, but if if Iowa State comes out and does their thing, I, I think I'm going to go with Iowa State. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad pick at all, and every single game is going to be a dogfight. I don't think there's going to be one single blowout in this sweet 16 because I mean, I hate to point out the obvious here, but every team's got something to prove, right? I mean, St. Peter's got something to prove. Providence got something to prove. Iowa State, Miami, they both got something to prove. So as this March Madness extends itself into April, it's been a damn good one. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I think you have enjoyed every minute of it, unless I'm wrong. No. No, you're not wrong, and it, it's been really fun. It's been fun watching my bracket um, absolutely disintegrate. Uh, from uh, I started, and I was like, okay, I think I started like eight for eight or something. I thought I was going to be the first one ever to do it, and then it has crumbled since then. It, it's not done very good. So, I mean, that's like everyone's except for a couple people. But, yeah, th- this tournament has been really fun. I, uh, I It's been, I, I think, one of the more fun tournaments for me just because – in recent years, last year was probably the first year besides this year that I really watched like almost as, as many games as I could. Um, so it's definitely been more fun for me watching all these close games play out, all these almost upsets and all these actual upsets. Um, it, it's really cool. And especially being in college now, I kind of understand like what it, what it means to these guys. They're always going to school, but then um, they get a chance to play basketball. And it's when, when you, beat a team that's supposed to beat you um, on the biggest stage. I, I can't imagine a better feeling. So, yeah, um, I've definitely had a lot of fun watching these games. Speaking of the big stage, the stage of the AFC is just getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And what I mean by that is the stage is not big enough for all of these teams to stand on, right? I mean, you look at one move after another. Browns get Deshaun Watson. Colts get Matt Ryan. The Bills get Von Miller. 
the Broncos get Russell Wilson. I mean, as a as a football as football fans as ourselves, the AFC. I I just don't know who's going to win the AFC this year because there's just so many names in the hat where you can make a case from. And we thought without think about this without all those moves, the AFC was so close last year. And mind you, the Baltimore Ravens, who were depleted to the max, almost made the playoffs. Big Ben at age 40, 39, whatever it was, they made it to the playoffs. Granted that they got stumped by the Chiefs, they made it to the playoffs. Miami, starting one and seven, came back and almost made the playoffs. I mean, and then the Raiders, the, the Raiders going through a 30 for 30 season? And they make the play and almost won a playoff game. I mean, I just, I just don't know what to, what to expect with who's going to make the playoffs and the AFC next year. But all I know is Matt Ryan is going to get his credit back because I think I said it on here. If I didn't, I'm saying now Matt Ryan is not done. The only thing that was holding him back was the Falcons not having an offensive line and the Colts got that. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Matt Ryan does with the Colts. Um, I, I think they're going to do really well, and that's going to just be another um, impact on Carson Wentz and saying that he's a bad quarterback, which is going to hurt me because I really don't think that season was all Carson's fault. He made some bad plays um, in big moments, but he also made big plays in, in, in just as big moments. So whatever, that's besides the point. We're talking about just the AFC here. We look at the AFC East. Like you said, we got Buffalo. We got New England, who just made the playoffs, and then Miami, who was um, tied for for the last spot in the playoffs, but they just didn't have the tiebreaker with Pittsburgh. Well, they were nine and eight. Pittsburgh was nine seven and one. Whatever. They basically have the same record as the last team in the playoffs. So that's three playoff teams in the AFC East. Then you have the AFC North, which is Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, who just got one of the best quarterbacks in the league last time he played, and then the Baltimore Ravens, who were the number one seed before they lost their their number one quarterback. So just right there in the first two divisions. That's that's all seven playoff spots. Then you got the AFC South, who have the Titans, um, and then the Colts. The Titans, I think, might have a little bit of a fall off here, but still, they were the one seed. What three years in a row or something? And the Colts just got Matt Ryan, who you said is not done yet, and I believe that. I, I believe he can still make some noise, especially with the team the Colts got. So now we're talking nine playoff teams. Then the whole AFC West. I don't even need to go throw through it. We know what the AFC West has. So thirteen of the sixteen teams in the AFC are legitimate playoff contenders. That's ridiculous because let me talk to you about the NFC, just, just to put in comparison. The NFC West, um, you got the Rams, Cardinals, 49ers. We'll, we'll say those three are playoff contenders. Um, and then Tampa is at this point, it looks like Tampa is the only one, maybe new Orleans. Um, so, so we'll go with five. Um, and then in the NFC North, the only team really close is, is the green Bay, Minnesota hasn't done anything. They didn't make the playoffs. So now we're at six. Um, then the NFC East will obviously have one team representing them because none of the teams in the NFC East are very good, but they have to have a representative. So only seven teams in the NFC, when I when I look at it, are serious. I mean, I guess I guess I could say that there's 10 because the whole NFC East, but I'm not going to do that just because. I, okay, you know what? I'll say there's nine discounting the Giants. So there are nine in the NFC and what did I say? 12, 13 in the, in the AFC. I think it's, and seriously, I mean, I don't want to say this, but Houston 
and, and Jacksonville, they've actually made some moves this offseason. Not saying they'll be playoff teams, especially in this AFC, but they're definitely going to be better. So I don't know what to expect. I'm so excited for football to start. I'm so excited to watch these games between the AFC West, between the AFC North, and more importantly, I'm excited to see what happens to the AFC East. The reason being, your Bills just got one of the best defensive players of all time. Uh, granted, he's old, but we saw what he was able to do it with the Rams. Um, New England is a team where they haven't made a lot of moves, so they're kind of um, banking on the development of Mac Jones. Miami is a team who fired their head coach who did a really good job this year um, for stupid reasons. I don't even need to know what their reasons were. They were stupid. And then obviously the Jets. So you got three teams that only one of them has really made moves, and that's your Bills. And they haven't really made any um, – they haven't made a huge number of moves. They made big moves not a large number of moves. So that's the team that's had the least movement. Um, but I think it's going to be the most interesting uh, division to watch. Yeah, the AFC East, I I can't wait for the AFC East competition to come back again because I always love beating on the Patriots. I despise Patriots fans. Dolphins, Dolphins love beating up on the Dolphins too. But more importantly for the Bills – our defensive ends get a lot better. And what I, what I mean by that is we already have A.J. Espinenza on one side. Then we already have the second-year guy, Gregory Rousseau, on the other side. And then we add Vaughn Miller to that mix. And Vaughn can play a little linebacker, too. Not to mention that we just released Matt Milano, or we've been released Matt Milano, into free agency so not only that helps us defensive on in our defensive end position, it helps us in our linebacking position too because he's so he's so versatile that I'm fine with the amount of money that we gave him because we can sw- we can switch Vaughn from defensive end to linebacker, linebacker to defensive end, and we bring back Shaq Lawson too. Man, it's gonna be a fun season again. Hopefully, Bills come out on top. But as a fan of the Bills and as a fan of football, it's going to be hard for the Bills to to get to that point because of so many good teams. Hell, I would even put Jacksonville out of the 15 of 16 teams to make the playoffs because they have – they got a lot of guys that need to prove themselves, right? Marvin Jones, Evan Ingram, so on and so forth. They, those guys need to prove themselves. And if they were in the NFC, Houston and Jacksonville will make the playoffs with ease. Um, I'm not sure I completely disagree with, with what you just said, if I'm being honest. Um, I'd say I don't know if they make it with ease, but they might. They would honestly probably – I mean, listen to this. Green Bay coming back, but they don't have Devontae Adams currently. I'm assuming they're going to – hope. hopefully for them, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Green Bay fan – they get guys like Jarvis and OBJ. I think that would be cool. Um, see what their real full potential is because we weren't able to see it in Cleveland. But anyway, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, who got Tom Brady back. But listen, he is the greatest quarterback ever. But he is older. He keeps getting older. And he had one of the best seasons of his career. So I'm not saying he's going to be terrible this year. But he will digress a little bit um, because this team is, is going to have a little bit of trouble keeping everybody. So Tampa's going to go back a little bit. Maybe not Tom but the team of Tampa will go, will digress a little bit. So they won't be as good. Then you've got Dallas um, losing Amari Cooper. Um, and you can be like, oh, well, they have, they have Michael Gallup. Uh, he'll hold down the forefront. Amari Cooper was their second leading receiver 
Um, yeah, he he missed two games. Yeah, he missed. Mark Cooper missed two games. He had, he had the most receiving touchdowns on the team. So he's one of Dak's favorite targets um, outside of seeding Lamb out. But, yeah, so Mark Cooper, they lost. So they're going to be worse. The Rams are going to be the Rams. We know what to expect from the Rams. They're bringing most people back. Um, they're not bringing back Von Miller. They might not bring back OBJ. But those are guys that they added after they were already a, a playoff team and pretty much a Super Bowl contender. So the Rams, I'm not worried about the Rams. The Cardinals have a lot of internal stuff going on. So actually, I don't think the Cardinals will be as good. Uh, then you got the 49ers who are going to lose Jimmy G. They'll have Trey, Trey Lance in his first year. Um, we saw what happened with all these quarterbacks this year. First year is a little tough. Um, some guys have better first years like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, but those are rarities. So I, I think the 49ers might take a step back. And then finally, you got the Eagles and all the all the teams that didn't make it. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts, um, who's not a great quarterback. But, you know, they made the playoffs because the NFC is so weak. So there are so many teams in the NFC that I'm just unsure about. Whereas the AFC, I think we can be sure about like 12 of these teams are going to be good teams. But sadly, only seven of them can make the playoffs. So this is going to be one of this. We thought this NFL season was interesting and, and, and super fun. I can't even imagine what next season is going to be like. Man, next season. And like to think about Amari Cooper not even being signed yet. Jarvis Landry, OBJ, it's kind of it kind of gives me like a Candlestein message of uh, they're being secreted behind closed doors, trying to match up with each other, trying to see where they're going and everything. And I was shocked that Devontae Adams got traded from the Green Bay Packers. But ultimately, if you don't think Rodgers will have success without Devontae Adams, I just think that's playing wrong because Rodgers won a Super Bowl without Devontae Adams. And Rodgers is the same. He's in the same area. Brady's in his own stratosphere of his own. He's a great quarterback of all time. But in the sense of comparing, they're in the same boat where you give them a bologna sandwich and they'll take that, they'll take that bologna sandwich to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. And they'll do good with that bologna sandwich. And he Roger showed that again this year, where he doesn't have his one, two, or third best wide receiver, and he goes in and beats Arizona Cardinals and he plays well. So it's gonna be interesting to see this NFL season because I think we're gonna have the first time in my lifetime where two of the best NFL seasons were back-to-back. Yeah. It, listen, we, we can't talk enough about how, how good the season's going to be, but I just have a couple questions for you because we've seen a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Who – and you might be like, oh, this is a really stupid question. But we just talked about how good the AFC is. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want you to think about this. Who do you think is a better chance of making the playoffs? Russell Wilson's Broncos – or Carson Wentz's commies? It's not a stupid question. Because if you think, if you look, if you really look at the Broncos, their receiving core is young. Their offensive line is a step above the Seattle Seahawks, but they're still, like, everyone's still developing, but they're, like, their offensive line is young, is ultimately my point there. And then their defense is young, too. Washington, on the other hand, I mean, their defense had one of their worst years where everyone was hyping them up. Then they lose Chase Young. 
And then offensively, there was, there's a lot of potential there. I think with the level of hardness that the Broncos are about to face in that wild AFC West and outside the AFC competition, that the commies have more, have a better chance of making the playoffs because they're in the NFC where if you're not the Rams or the Buccaneers, it's basically free for all, right? It's like capture the flag or not capture the flag. It's like sharks and minnows. Buccaneers and Rams are on the other side and you got to try to get past the taggers in the middle, right? So I, I like I like the commies' chance more than I like the Broncos' chances. Yeah, I, I also like the commies' chance. The reason I brought it up is just because Russell Wilson, I, I'm a man. I can admit Russell Wilson is better than my man Carson Wentz. But he's not so much better where he can drag a team um, who was only one game better than this Washington team where he can drag them to the playoffs, whereas Carson Wentz only needs to win two more games than this Washington team won last year. Like Carson Wentz played the season he played in Indianapolis for Washington this season, they would have made the playoffs. They might have won the division, in all honesty, just because of how bad the uh, the NFC is. So if I had to choose one, one of these teams, I would choose Washington, probably by a large margin, for two reasons. They're in the AFC, or they're in the NFC, and also they're in the NFC East. So they're in, they're in the worst conference, and then they're in the worst division in the worst conference. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer. It doesn't really matter who's at quarterback for them, um, unless it's like Mike Glennon, but it's not. So I, I'd also go with the commies. I got a question for you, Mr. Wood. Out of all the teams, out of all the teams, which quarterback has the most pressure on them going into next season? See, I, I think the easy answer for me is, is Carson Wentz. Ah, but I think it's got to be Matt Ryan. Um, and you could be like, well, the Colts weren't very good, so all, all he has to do is beat 9-8. and eight. Yeah, he's got beat 9-8 and eight in this even tougher AFC than it was this year. Like, the AFC this year was tough, but now it's going to be even tougher. Um, and Matt Ryan's a guy who a lot of people thought was thinking about retiring. Uh, so, so I think this season, it's, it's make or break for whether or not his career continues. Um, and granted, he might end up – if this Colts team is unbelievable and they end up – which is possible, and they end up winning a Super Bowl or something, um, I, I could honestly see Matt Ryan retiring. But if they're really bad, I, I don't think a guy like Matt Ryan, who he has to have had, had – he's got to be up there for most 1,000-yard seasons or 4,000-yard seasons, pardon me, because um, he's, he's had a lot of those. But he's 36 years old. Um, he's, he's staring down retirement right now, um, but he's seeing how Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, are guys playing into their very late 30s and early 40s. He's seeing these guys do that, and I think he wants to be the next one to do that. Um, but no team is going to want him if he fails with, with a Colts team. Um, Carson Wentz failed, but he's younger, so they're giving him leeway, and he also had a pretty good season. Whereas Matt Ryan, a bad season might make the Colts be like, okay, let's go get a young guy. Um, while we still have the chance. And I don't know if anyone else is going to take take a, a gamble on Matt Ryan. So I think Matt Ryan, honestly, has the most pressure to continue his career because, let's be honest, 36 years old, you if you fail here, you're not getting another job. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wanted to pick your brain with that question because it's like a, it's a, it's an interesting question 
with guys like Matt Ryan too. This is a make or break season for Matt Ryan. Cause if Matt Ryan, he's, he's kind of in the same situation as Matt Stafford, just not in the Super Bowl or bus category where, okay, you have a better team. You have a better offensive line. Now let's see what you can do on the football field. Let's see what you can do against competition every day. And if your numbers stay the same, out top wide receivers, top guys or whatever, then we'll give you back your credits, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the Falcons are not the Falcons. The Colts can keep the wide receiver room the same, and they will still have success with Matt Ryan up now. Yeah, I mean, the Colts did just lose. Not a huge receiver for them, but I think he's, he's their number two, or he, he must have been when T.Y. was out. They just lost Zach Paschal um, to the Eagles. So I think that might be a hit on them if they don't end up getting a receiver. Um, they're they're going to see the consequences of losing Zach Pascal. They're going to see the consequences of honestly losing Carson Wentz, uh, who's a quarterback who can, who can run the ball um, and takes a little, not a lot, but a little bit of pressure off Jonathan Taylor where Matt Ryan will be able to take it off with his arm. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. If the Colts don't get receivers, I, I think Matt Ryan might be set up to fail, um, which would be unfortunate because I think that would be the end of his career. Um, but it's kind of funny to see how the Colts are kind of – every time you see a quarterback is uh, on the rocks with his team, you, nowadays we got to think that he's going to the Colts. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz was out with the Eagles. He's on the Colts. Matt Ryan and the Falcons couldn't agree on uh, how long he should stay there. He goes to the Colts. Next thing we know, Matt Ryan doesn't work out. Kyler Murray might be on the move to the Colts. Baker Mayfield uh, might be on – honestly, Baker Mayfield to the Colts I, I think might work. Um but it, it might only work as well as Carson Wentz on the Colts did. So uh, that's definitely one of the more interesting situations for, for any team in the NFL. But then again, we look across the entire league and we see a bunch of interesting situations. We see Buffalo, a team who hasn't been able to get over the hump. We see Philadelphia, a team who just made the playoffs and thought that they underperformed. Um, and they did, had guys who were unhealthy. Same thing in Washington. They didn't make the playoffs, but they had like seven people on defense injured. So And now they have a a better quarterback, not a great quarterback, but a better quarterback than they had. So they think they can do better. you got Tampa, who's coming back for Tom's maybe final ride. Um, Green Bay, who's got Aaron, um, they, they, they agree with him because he believes he can win uh, in Green Bay. And then obviously you got the whole AFC West, the whole AFC North. There's just so many different stories that we're going to be able to follow next year that outside of just watching football, the stories is what's going to make that season even better. I agree. Couldn't agree more. With that, there's one more thing that I was about to say for the football season. It was something something about, oh, well, two more things. One, if you're a quarterback looking to land a spot on the move, the Indianapolis Colts is the JUCO, the professional JUCO organization for quarterbacks. So if you need to resurrect your career, just send you a nice little ticket over to Indianapolis. Oh, and shout out Mr. Trubisky. Mr. Trubisky, oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Mitch, you got to do a lot because a lot of a lot of people, every time I bring this up, and I mean a lot of people, especially Bears fans, think that it's your fault that you failed in Chicago. And we saw that it's not your fault. It's Matt Nagy's fault. And I will argue that to my grave. It was Matt Nagy's yeah. fault. Mitch, I, I didn't mention him when I was going on my little rants about all these – AFC teams, but that AFC North, um, I, I think they might have better quarterbacks than the AFC West. And that's a bold that listen, that's a bold take, but 
you got Mitch Trubisky. How many guys in the, in the NFL have won the MVP? I, probably two, but I, only Mitch is the only one that I count. Um, and then you got Joe Burrow, who, who's right up there with Joe, uh, with Justin Herbert. And then you got Lamar Jackson, who I would go to my grave with this. He is just as he should be in the same tier as guys like Patrick Mahomes. He's not quite as good, but he's right there. Um, and then obviously you got Deshaun Watson, who, in my opinion, is is tied with Patrick Mahomes. Last time he played, he was one of, if not the best quarterback in the league. So, and then obviously the AFC West is Derek Carr, who I would compare. If I had to go one-on-one, I'd give him the win over Mitch. Um, then Justin Herbert, I, him and Burrow are close, so I'd say it's a tie. Mahomes win over Deshaun. Um, and then who, who's left? Russ, the, the stage that he's at, I, I don't know if Russ is honestly better than um, Lamar. I would probably take Lamar over Russ. So I think it's slight edge to AFC West, but it's really close. So Mitch Trubisky, congrats to the boy. Um, he represented the city, the streets. Uh, of Chicago and then obviously represented Bill's mafia for a little bit. Um, and now hopefully for, for Mitch, um, we see big things, but I guess not for you, hopefully for you because he's going to be playing your bills. Um, so good luck to Mitch. Good luck to all, all the quarterbacks that changed places, especially Mitch and Carson Wentz, um, two of the all-time greats. Yeah. MVP, you know, only player to win MVP, Mr. Trubisky, baby, you know, the vibes. I'm right there with you, Mitch. I've been since day one. In all honesty, <laughs> I'm going to say this right now. In all honesty, if the draft happened again, I would pick Mitchell Trubisky again. I, I, would, I, I would pick him again. Because <laughs> in all honesty, knowing what I <laughs> knowing what I <laughs> knowing what I know about Matt Nagy, right? I, I wouldn't want to put Deshaun or Patrick Mahomes in harm's way of Matt Nagy. Like, no, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I feel like they he would have made them worse. I mean, just think about it. You draft Mitch. Mitch does good. Mitch is running out the pocket, doing his thing, and he sets up the what could have been a game-winning field goal. But, you know, Cody Parkey decides, you know what? I'm going to make a meme today. I'm going to double-doink the field goal. <laughs> Oh man, shout out Mitch Trubisky, man. MVP, MVP, MVP. No, I agree. I, if I could go back, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP, and Deshaun Watson is as good as he is, I would I would pick Mitch because you know he's got an MVP. Those two guys don't. So I agree. I agree with you. And Mitch is I hate to get all political, but he, he's much more handsome. I mean, he's got a. That's what I'm saying. He's so dashing. <laughs> Oh man, oh man. As we wrap up the show, something funny came into my came in my marvelous head of mine. Pickup line Mondays, where we say one pickup line for all the fellas out there trying to slide in on Tinder, Hange, Bumble, whatever it could be. You know, for the for the jokes. Yeah, hey, you got you you got to go first because I'm assuming you have one. If if you're if you're bringing it up, I'm assuming you have you have one. Yeah, I, I think I think it's pretty good. I think it's one of my best ones that I ever created, and that's. Oh, so, you created it? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking one up right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I would be like, "Yo, what are nine digits?" 
that goes into your phone. That's a pickup line. <laughs> yeah. And then she'd be like, what? I'd be like, my number. Mic drop, but pencil drop. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I got I got I got I got one for you. Okay, okay. All right, I'm, I'm about to get crazy. No pen, mm. no paper, mm. but you still draw my attention. Oh! Ooh. 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 That that was nice. That I, in all honesty, out of all the pickup line, you need to start using that because out of all the lines that you have said, that was that's probably that's that's out there for top Mike Wood moments right there. Because man, hey, that's, I just that's looked, a bar. I just looked up pickup lines on, on TikTok. <laughs> I, I could I could read all this girl has a lot of them. I could read them out for you. Yeah, send them my way, actually. <laughs> I got you. I'll, I'll send them to you. Can't can't be sent giving them out to everybody for free here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, me, me and Mike got, you know, night classes, night pickup line classes. Come to Mike uh, Mike Wood, Mike Wood, John Keaton and company, and we'll we'll sauce you some some free pickup lines. Or not free pickup lines. You gotta pay. Five ninety nine plus shipping and handling. So I don't know if you about that, but it's a new era. It's a new society. It's yeah. a hustle move. It's a change of the tides. Yeah, you gotta hop on the tide, or you're just gonna drown. Yeah, be drippy. Anywho, that's it for the podcast. Unless we got some more outrageous remarks to make about you know just life. Man. Nah, I got nothing. Unless you got some. Nah, I got. There's a new show on HBO Max called Winning Time. It's about oh, Andrew yeah. Johnson and uh, Genie Bus, the Lakers, and all that. It's pretty cool. Uh, new episodes drop Sunday. HBO Max shoot me a sponsorship and Mike. Anywho, that is the end of today's podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And since you're on YouTube, you might as well like and comment and then tell someone at work how great 1497 podcast is, but then you shouldn't stop there. You should get up on your table and scream, follow 1497 podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and that little blue bird that's called Twitter. And not only that, you should walk to the vending machine, get a nice cold water with a granola bar, eat the granola bar, then you're going to be feeling a little parched. So drink a little water with that and then yell, trust the process. We will be back Thursday. John and Mike, we outie. Get you a nice uh, Nutrigrain bar, though. Or those are exquisite.